The word of God that we're going to be looking at this morning is taken from the second letter of Paul to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15. From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, this is verse 16, is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's our text. In the name of Jesus, amen. Robert Rakes, how many have heard the name Robert Rakes? Raise your hand. Huh? Well, there's one person back there. Good. Robert Rakes. Robert Rakes is known as the founder of Sunday School. He lived in Gloucester, England, of course, and he was editor of the Gloucester Journal, the only paper in that city. He was a devout Christian and a very dedicated churchman. Not only did he attend worship, of course, every Sunday, but during the week he was in the city jail and there witnessing to men and women and giving those who could read and did not have Bibles, giving Bibles to them, and also reading the scriptures to those who could not read themselves. What a work he was doing. One day, he decided to hire a gardener, and he went into the slums of the city to find a man who he could hire as a gardener. And while he was walking down the street there, he was jostled and knocked around by a group of boys. When he got to where he was going, talking to the lady who was the wife of the man he was going to hire, uh, he talked to her, and he was filled with shock and pity, and he was telling her what had happened. And she said to him, you ought to see them on Sunday when the factory is closed and they have nothing to do but get into trouble. Well, in the weeks that followed, he went back into those slum areas and his eyes were opened and he saw things that he had not seen before and his heart was moved to, really touched. Hundreds and hundreds of children there uh, with uh, no hope really for the future, filled with hate and fear and ignorance. They were destined to be the wild, half-wild creatures they were at that point. And so Rakes went to his pastor, a man by the name of the Reverend Thomas Stock, and he had an idea. He said, why don't we go down into those areas on Sunday and teach kids to read by teaching and teach them to read through reading the Bible? And the pastor said, that's a good idea. And they went down in those areas and began visiting and began visiting and inviting and inviting and they prepared and they prepared. And finally came the day when they would have their first class and it met in the home of a lady by, Miss, by the name of Mrs. Meredith. And several children came and that's how it all began. And they continued to go into homes and visit and invite. And even on Sunday morning, race would go down into these areas and bring children himself and then also he was buying trousers and buying uh, shoes for kids who did not have those things and felt they couldn't come to Sunday school because of those things well that was how it all began and he continued to visit encourage and, and teach did that as well as uh, his work as editor of the paper and did that for years and years my and things began to happen and there was a kind of different attitude and a different spirit here in the inner cities in their slums. And these kids began to be different kids. And what was happening certainly was influencing and changing. And that was taken note of by other religious leaders in the city. 
And they had also began talking about starting Sunday schools. And John Wesley heard about what was happening. He is the founder of the Methodist Church. And he then made the statement, there must be a Sunday school wherever there is a Methodist society or a Methodist church. Well, Robert Rakes died in 1811. And when he died, of course, around the world, there were hundreds of thousands of children in England and America especially attending Sunday school. By the way, the first Sunday school in America was in 1785 in a place called Oak Grove, Virginia. That's where it started here in America. Well, in the over 200 years now since there has been Sunday schools, of course, that has brought tremendous influence into the lives of children, changed so many. But something is happening in the Sunday schools in America, especially and the Christianity Today, some time ago, had an article entitled, Will Sunday School Survive the Me Generation? Will Sunday School Survive the Me Generation? Because this is what's wrong. It takes a lot of committed, dedicated adults to take care of Sunday School. Because you can't have Sunday School unless you have lots of committed, dedicated, devoted adults who are willing to give the time and the energy and all the work which is necessary for a Sunday school. And across America today, across America, that's what the article is bringing up, across the day today in which there are so many who do not want to be tied down, it is getting harder and harder to get Sunday school workers. We've been very blessed here at Trinity Lutheran Church. We've had some wonderful Sunday school workers and still do today. We have Sylvia Thompson, of course, who spends a lot of energy and time and effort in our Sunday school. And all of those people who help her and work along with her, our parish education, committee, and all of those. We are really a blessed, blessed congregation. And I think we all should realize that, huh? Well, today is Rally Day. And our emphasis then is on Christian education, especially the Sunday school and the Bible classes. And our text is saying to us, come grow with us. What that, that's what the Lord is saying to us through our text and also points us to four dimensions of Christian education. If Christian education, the Sunday school program and so on, is to have real meaning and is to be effective and is to last, it must have length and breadth and depth and height. These are the four dimensions of Sunday school. Christian education. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. And I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. First of all, Christian education must have length. Martin Luther stressed, wrote, that Christian education should be lifelong from cradle to the grave. And he stressed, too, that it must start early. And the Apostle Paul also stressed that it must start early. And that's why he wrote to Timothy this, from the childhood, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. In other words, Timothy's Christian education began on his mother's knees and his grandmother's knees. Huh? And that's the way it should be. Remember what Solomon said way back centuries before in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, where he said, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. In other words, begin when they are young. 
And Paul laid this responsibility on fathers. He said, fathers, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The responsibility of this, of course, belongs to fathers. That a father is a spirit, as the head of the house, is not only the head of the house in providing for his children physically, but he's also head of the house in providing for their spiritual, spiritual beings. That finally, uh, this is the father's job, to see to it that the kids get to Sunday school. It's the father's job to see to it that the children get to Wednesday school. It's the father's job to see to it that Christ is brought into the hearts and lives of the children. Now, of course, if there's not a father and the father's not fulfilling his responsibility, that's where the mothers come, and the grandmothers too, in case. That must have been true with Timothy. That's why Paul says, you know the scriptures from your grandmother and your mother. But the scriptures also lay down, this is the father's job. This is the father's responsibility. He's the one who's going to be asked, how did you do? What did you do? Okay. Luther wrote this stinging word. Why? Goodness, listen to this. Luther once wrote, parents cannot earn hell more easily than by neglecting to give their children a Christian education. Listen to that again. You ought to write that down. Parents cannot earn hell more easily than by neglecting to give their children a Christian education. And the scriptures teach that we must begin as soon as possible. I read about this experiment, an experiment in sowing wheat. It was conducted by the Canadian Department of Agriculture. The first sowing was made in when the first sowing was made as early as the weather permitted. Other sowings followed at weekly intervals. This experiment was conducted over 10 years of time and revealed that one of the week that one week's delay beyond the earliest possible planting entailed a loss of 30%. 2 weeks late 40%, 4 weeks late 50%. The earliest sowing always yielded the richest harvest. That's the way it is too with Christian education. Childhood is the time to start. Youth is planting time. And we can't begin too early. There's no, we can't begin too early with religious education. Even when they're little infants, huh? Mothers rocking their children when they're infants and be singing to them. Jesus loves me, this I know. And Jesus loves the little children. And as soon as they can begin to talk, their memories are good at that time, but they can memorize so quickly, they learn to speak, their minds are so great in terms of memory at that time. And as soon as they begin to speak, you can begin to teach what? Come, Lord Jesus. They can learn that very, very soon, huh? Or as soon as they begin to speak, you can teach them to say what? Good night, Jesus. When they go to sleep, when they go to sleep at night. And then you can teach them, now I lay me down to sleep. And then you can teach them the Lord's Prayer. And you can teach them to pray, God bless Mommy, and God bless Daddy, and God bless Grandma and Grandpa, and, and so on and so forth. And all of that can come very, very early, just from the beginning to speak. Huh? 
What a beautiful time that is. And then you begin to, about a year old, huh? about a year old, you can begin to read to them, can't you? And they love to hear you read to them, both mothers and fathers, huh? And uh, read little books of Bible stories. And over in our bookstore, we've got all kinds of books over there of Bible stories for little ones, different ages and so on, different devotional booklets. My, you should be reading to them these stories. We've got coloring books over there too, I've seen. And little kids love to color, and so uh, you can teach them as they are coloring, can't you? You can teach them, uh, this is the story behind this particular picture that you're coloring. All kinds of ways of bringing this to little children, huh? And most certainly we teach them by our example, don't we? We teach them by our example. We teach them by bringing them to church. The music they hear, of course, that the liturgy that they hear, that's going to shape them. That's going to be touching their hearts. The Holy Spirit's going to be working in that. And just being here and learning what this sacred place is all about. That. And when they see you worshiping, they see you, mom and dad, folding your hands in prayer, and bowing your head in prayer. And when they see you participating in the worship, that's going to be touching their hearts. That's going to influence them for life. And then when we see you come here to, to, to pray or coming here to work or to serve in the congregation, that's almighty, you know, that's all tremendous stuff. And in all of those ways, we are passing on to them, even before they're three years old, uh, so, so much in terms of the faith. And then when they begin to be, when they get to be three years old, then we have Sunday school for them, huh? And of course, our day school has preschool for them. And there we can teach them also so much. So, Christian education, that's where it starts, way back then. Then after they're three and on to preschool and so on, then can come, they can come to Christian day school. And there, of course, there is religious education every day. And every day they're hearing about Jesus. Every day they are hearing the name of Jesus. Every day they are praying to Jesus. They are singing to Jesus, all those kind of things. And only in the Christian day school can that happen. Only in the Christian day school in education can children hear the name Jesus every day and sing to him and praise him and, and realize that he's the Savior. Only there can they hear about how he died for our sins. Only there can they hear about how he arose from the grave. Only there can they be in that atmosphere which is shaped by, by Jesus. Huh? Why? and how tremendously important that is. But, even if they go to Christian Day School, they still also should come to Sunday School, to Sunday School. And I've seen this through the years. I've been around a long time. And uh, every year I give a preschool test to my eighth graders when they come into my class as eighth graders. I give a preschool test. And as I look at those tests, preschool, I can tell right away which kids have been to Christian day school for a long time, but also to Sunday school, I can tell. Because those who have been to Christian day school and Sunday school do so much better on those pretests. But this is the big point, that if the reading of the scriptures and the teaching of the scriptures are only connected with the school, and the Sunday school is not there at the same time, when kids... Uh, the, the Bible reading and so on Bible study will be so identified with the school that when school is done, then Christian education will be done. Sad to say, that is true. But when Sunday school is then, I mean, when Christian day school is then also accompanied by Sunday school, Sunday school goes on. Christian day school ends, certainly. 
But then what is built on top of that goes on. And then there's youth Bible class and there's adult Bible classes and so on. And that is so true. Please listen to me. I can give you names. I can give you names and names to prove what I am saying. But Sunday school is so important, even when our kids have the Christian day school. What a, what a, what a banquet we have here in so much in terms of Christian education. Like Luther said, though, Christian education needs to continue all the way to the grave. You know, he not only wrote a small catechism, he also wrote a large catechism. And when he wrote a large catechism to accompany the small catechism, what he was saying was, of course, Christian education is not only for children and youth, but Christian education is all for adults. It never ends. It goes from cradle to the grave. Jesus said, Jesus said the same thing. Listen to what he said. He said, if you continue... In my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Did you catch that word? Continue. That means don't stop. All through life, we continue hearing, reading, studying God's word. Acts says the same thing. Listen to what, about the early Christians. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And the apostle Paul, then writing to Timothy, says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Did you get you? Continue, continue, continue. And so that's why we have Bible classes here, adult Bible classes, and that's why we are stressing that and continually talking about them. That's why we have the faith builders and the standing stones and just as we are and, and the Bible trekkers and the new class 20 through 35 class and my class in the gym. That's why all of these, and that's why we have morning break every Wednesday morning now and studying too. That's why through the years, of course, we've had the team classes, all of those things. Remember this. The Bible is an adult book. The Bible is not a kid's book. It's not a kid's book. It is an adult's book. It was written by adults, and it was written for adults, and it was written for them to teach. Written by adults for adults. And adults, then, are to teach it to their children, but primarily the Bible is written for adults, by adults. And adults then are to bring it, but they have to really have a good hold on it in order to bring their to their children. So every adult, every adult should be in Bible study for two reasons: for their own good, for their own spiritual health, their own spiritual growth, their own salvation, but also to model for their children, to model for their children, so that children are saying, "My grandpa went to Bible class every Sunday." My dad went to Bible class every Sunday. My mom went to the Bible class every Sunday. They were people of the book. They were people concerned about spiritual growth. And so the first dimension of Christian education is linked. The Bible says it is to go from cradle to the grave. Secondly, the second dimension of Christian education is then breadth. Is breadth. It must include all that the Lord taught. And remember that was one of the last points that he made right before he ascended into heaven. He told the disciples, of course, to go out into the world and spread the gospel everywhere, and that was, ev that was evangelism. Huh? But he also said, and also not only spread the gospel and bring people to know Christ, but teach them all that I have commanded you. All that I have commanded you. The whole counsel of God, the whole of Scripture. Dr. Richard Verbrandt, 
You've perhaps heard that name. He's written uh, some books about him and so on, films too. He was a pastor in communist Romania. And he was arrested by the communists for preaching the gospel. And he was in prison for seven years for doing that. In prison, he was in a cell with another pastor. Now, they, could have, they couldn't have a Bible. They could have no religious materials at all. Totally shut away, supposedly, from their faith. But they, of course, prayed. They discussed and all those kind of things. But he told about the night. Uh, he said, one evening, the, this uh, fellow pastor... Uh, they began to talk about, could they uh, tell, work through the Bible book by book and talk about what was in each of the books in the Bible? He said, and these are his words. This is what he wrote later. He said, we didn't have much trouble remembering the contents of the book of Genesis and Exodus and Joshua and Judges and Ruth. But, he said, when we got to books like Ezekiel and Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah, we couldn't remember anything of those books. Well, that little exercise made it clear to them that their biblical, their biblical knowledge was lacking in breadth. So he later said, after I got out of prison, after those seven years, I studied the scriptures more than I had ever studied them before. That's a man, a pastor, huh? Breadth, breadth. And that's, again, why we have so many classes around here and have through the years. Our Bethel classes, and we'd like to get those started again one day. Well, my goodness, think of all the classes that we've taught, classes on Corinthians and Philippians and Matthew and Luke and Exodus and J- James and Galatians and Proverbs and Mark and so on. And then, of course, we're trying to give as much as we can in terms of breadth in Wednesday school. Those are the kids who do not go to school here. But there, the pastor teaches... Uh, fifth and sixth grade, and the reason for fifth and sixth grade is the teaching of Bible stories, Old Testament, New New Testament, in order to lay a foundation in the scriptures to go on into catechism. And in the catechism, of course, what we're trying to do is give a breadth to, and I'm teaching that, and we do that for four years, trying to give these kids all that we possibly can in breadth. So we got all of these things, huh? We got the weekday classes, we got Sunday morning classes. What we're trying to do is and all of that is bring to our congregation breadth, breadth. And the question is, are you taking advantage of this? No, there's all of this available, all of this available. Are you taking advantage of it? And the third dimension of Christian education, of course, is depth, is depth. It must be thorough, not medicine dropper kind of uh, thing. It uh, must, uh, it's not something to be played, not something to be played with. Jesus said, listen to this, Jesus said, search the scriptures. Search. Did you hear that word? Search. Say it with me, would you please? Search. Search, Jesus said. He didn't say, uh, I want you to skim through uh, my word and I'll get something out of it once in a while if you can. He didn't say, uh, if you've got five minutes in the morning, why don't you give me five minutes for in Bible reading. He didn't say, well, we'll come to Bible class once in a while and see if you can pick up something. He said, search. Search. And that means dig in and dig out from and explore thoroughly and find every bit and don't quit and work at it. John Quincy, second president of the United States, wrote this. I have for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once a year. Once a year. 
My custom is to read four or five chapters every morning immediately after rising from my bed. It employs about an hour of my time and seems to me the most suitable manner of beginning the day. In what light soever we regard the Bible, whether with reference to revelation, to history, or to morality, it is invaluable and inexhaustible mine of knowledge and virtue. And here's what Martin Luther wrote. Listen to what Luther wrote when it comes to depth. He said, I study my Bible as I would gather apples. First I shake the whole tree that the ripest might fall, and then I shake each limb. And when I have shaken each limb, I shake every branch and every twig. Then I look under every leaf. I search the Bible, Luther said, as a whole like shaking a whole tree, and then I shake every limb, and then I study book after book, and then I shake every branch, and I'm giving attention to the chapters when they do not break the sense. Then I shake every twig or careful, or a careful study of the paragraphs and whatever the words and their meanings. The third dimension is depth, and I'm really digging into the scripture. Searching is not completed either. It takes a lifetime takes a lifetime. There is so much, so much in the scriptures. I can say that I've been reading the Bible every, practically every day for over 70 years. And I'm at that point in my life where I say, my golly, there is so much here. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be able to get a hold of it. And that even at my age, uh, I know I'm not going to live long enough to really find out everything that's there. It is so deep. It is so rich over 70 years reading every day. And I come back to it over and over again, and I say, my goodness, I've never seen this before. I've never realized this before. The Lord has never shown me this before. That's how deep it is. That's how deep it is, and that's how wondrous it is, this word that God has given to us. Well, the first and last dimension is height. And most certainly, uh, it must point us always to heaven. It must make us wise into salvation. That's what Paul is talking about in our text. Let it open up to us the beauty and the glory and the love of God. And it must point us to the, to the eternal and the real and the lasting. My, again, that's what, it's, that's what it's all about. This book, remember, is God speaking to us. And if I were to say to you, I imagine if I went to every person here and I said, do you believe this is God's word? You'd say, well, yes, it's God's word. And if I were to stand up here, right here, and I'd say to you, I no longer believe that this is God's word. And I would start speaking against it and say, this is not really God's word. I'm sure that some, that it wouldn't take long until people would be saying, you better resign. We don't want you as our pastor. We don't want a pastor who does not believe this is God's word. And when we say it's God's word, that means God is speaking to us through it. And that's why we want to come to it in Bible class and all these different, different ways. I was driving by the YMCA the other day. I saw two of our people coming out of the YMCA. And they were there for physical education. And that's great. We should be taking care of our bodies physically. You should belong to the YMCA can't get exercise otherwise. But yes, it's tremendously important. God made our bodies to move and we should be exercising. But those two people I saw coming out of the YMCA as members of, members of Trinity, 
And I see them once in a while here in church. And they're not in the Bible class. Either one of them. And I thought to myself, that's great that they're taking care of their bodies. But my goodness, how they are neglecting their souls. My. The Lord wants us to take care of our bodies. But he also wants us to take care of our souls. And so, remember the four dimensions. The length and the depth and the breadth and the depth and the height. What that says to you and to me, it says, as parents, bring your children to Sunday school. And says to young people, youth, be in Sunday school. And adults, it says, be in Bible class. God bless us to that end. Amen.